and welcome to Saturday Night Hive. We are here today to talk about an SNL alum coming home. It is none other than Jason Sudeikis with musical guest Brandi Carlisle. Talking with me about it today is Hibba Murray. Hello, Hibba. Hey, Candice. So... There's a lot of thoughts coming into the episode. The first one being Jason Sudeikis, very hotly anticipated. You know, he's kind of in the league of Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler coming back to Stu 8H. I, I will say I was excited, but I do have some like hesitancies when it comes to cast members coming back. But I think he did okay. What are your like initial thoughts about him so far? Yeah, I, I feel like it was a pretty solid overall episode. I think he very much was comfortable, right? It seemed like he was coming home. Also, I knew that he'd been on SNL for a long time, but I didn't realize that it was 10 years. I feel like his brand of comedy is very like, I'll tell you it straight, but my telling you history will be unrealistic sometimes mm-hmm. like during his monologue he was like yeah people ask me for advice all the time like my advice is like win an emmy or two like it really sets you up for success and mm-hmm. i felt like that joke <laughs> i felt like that joke was really funny but also it encapsulated him so i felt like he was very on brand from beginning to end and i think like that's a compliment right like sometimes when hosts come on we kind of struggle to understand their brand and their vibe because maybe we're not that familiar with them or like they're a breakout star or something like he definitely had the advantage because obviously we know him being SNL fans um, but also he is in other things these days Um, but yeah I feel like he did an overall pretty solid job Mm -hmm. yeah I'm with you I feel like my attitude toward Jason Sudeikis was very much the way I felt about Bill Hader before he got Barry, which is I was like, this dude is cheesy and he's not that hot. I don't care. And especially with Jason, who after SNL went the like comedy film route of like horrible bosses and like we're the Millers, like all these films that frankly I didn't care for. I kind of wrote him off, but I did watch Ted Lasso. I like Ted Lasso a lot, and I feel like Ted Lasso definitely changed my mind on Jason, but I have to admit that we should go into the monologue because I now remember what I don't like about Jason. So, first things first, second velvet suit that Jason has been sporting this season. The first one was the (laughs) Emmys. Second, there was this woman in the very front row, long blonde hair, Kind of like a hippie outfit. Do you think she was his date? I mean, for a hot second, I thought it was Olivia Wilde and I got very confused. Or his new, his new supposed rumored girlfriend, Keely. I don't think Mm. she was either person, but she was alone. So I was like, interesting, interesting. Pin for later. I will say this. Even though I understand that Jason was going for a very genuine, heartfelt vibe, like the sincerity I understand I just don't love how much pointing there was because I don't Mm. like when people kind of try to preach to me or like lecture or professor me and like try to prove something. And so therefore, I feel like the monologue itself was kind of like it was a little D minus for me. Like it was all right. I feel like what would have made it better is if he actually cried. Um, But (laughs) I also just think that 
maybe another reason why I found his sincerity a little canned is because he just his show just took home all the Emmys in the comedy category. Like Mm -hmm. there is nothing that he has to prove to us. There is nothing that he has to say to like change our mind or like convince us he needs an Emmy. So yeah, some people might say this was a victory lap, but the thing is, was this a victory lap after his years at SNL or a victory lap after Ted Lasso winning all those Emmys? Yeah, that's a good point. I think to be honest, like, I always got the vibe that Jason Sudeikis' brand was just a little bit of cockiness, right? Mm. Like, again, like, with the Emmys, like, joke in his monologue that I mentioned earlier and then everything that you just said. I don't know. I just, I didn't, it didn't bother me that much because I just kind of wrote it off as part of who he is as a comedian. Like, even in a lot of the sketches, which we're going to talk about, like, a lot of them were kind of bro-y and I feel like we notice it more now because the cast is a little bit more diverse and there are more perspectives. But I feel like in his time at SNL, that was just normal. Like his perspective as like a kind of straight bro-y white guy was like the normal perspective. And so he just sort of like brought that same flavor of comedy, but maybe it's a little bit more obvious now. Um, But yeah, I could understand all the things that you we're saying and I feel like when the host is an alum they come back and it's always kind of a victory lap but some people are a little bit better at being humble about it and and down to earth about it um and he's just not one of those people to be honest I think you're right I'm glad you used the word cocky because that is the word I was trying not to use but that's the thing Ted Lasso made me forget how much of a frat bro Jason is And a good reminder of this is when he went on Billy on the Street and he basically just screamed at people on the New York City streets as a bro. And I feel like this energy was very much encaptured by the two pre-tapes they ran this episode. One he wasn't in, but one that he definitely starred in was Melon. What did you think about Melon? Which, by the way, sounds a little too close to Melanin. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so... This sketch was hilarious, but also made me uncomfortable, right? Okay, so let me say the things I liked about it. Um, Again, SNL costume and set design department, amazing. Like, they basically recreated every single thing in the Ellen show and even, like, the way the stage looked and the way he was dressed and, like, the vests that Ellen wears and stuff like that. Um, I felt like he also really nailed the mannerisms and basically they explored, like, what if you took Ellen and made it toxic masculinity right so like um like the guests were like conor mcgregor and like louis ck and jake paul and like ridiculous like terrible people um so i feel like he did a really good job of like playing what it was but again if you take a step back the concept is extremely bro-y right Mm -hmm. like i thought it was well done for what it was right and i feel like i'm gonna say that a lot this episode um, so, like, you've got Melon, you've got the men's underwear sketch, which was also a digital short. Um, even the Declaration of Independence sketch, like, super, super bro energy. And I was just, like, thinking to myself, like, why are there all of these kind of, like, similar vibe sketches, even though they're happening in completely different universes? Like, a lot of white guys just, like, being hype about one idea. Um, but then I was like, oh, it's because Jason Sudeikis is this broy white guy and he's hosting. And because he also is an SNL alum, he like gets more of a hand at what 
what sketches they put in the show. So um, yeah, I felt like it made sense. So that maybe it's sitting weirdly with us because there hasn't been this kind of host in a little while Mm -hmm. since the first three hosts of the season were new um so yeah that could be part of it yeah i actually think you're totally right i think the two main things i kind of got from these pre-tapes are number one they felt so 10 years ago which is like Mm -hmm. kind of explanatory because of just that's that's when jason came up in snl But also, Mm -hmm. I just felt like they were incredibly shallow when you think about the real conversations people are having about toxic masculinity. Like, I feel like those Mm pre-tapes were just saying toxic masculinity exists. That's it. And it's just kind of like, man, no, you got to, like, dig a little deeper the way Angelo did, you know? And so, but with that said, a sketch that I actually really did like was Parent Teacher Conference written by Ego Wodum starring... Ego Wodum. Man, I have watched this and rewatched this, I think, six times now. And there are so many <laughs> things I love about it. It, like, really activated those genes within you that, like, kind of, like, hint at you that Jason might be hot. I have to say, the I want to give this one up to that moment where Jason plops Ego on the desk and he actually, like slides her closer to him that move always gets me (laughs) um yeah i really love the sketch i think it was probably my favorite sketch in the whole show i think first of all again like props to ego and her genius i i think it takes so much audacity to write the sketch and then cast yourself as the leading like romantic lead Mm -hmm. like i just think that was so funny she was like yeah i'm gonna write a sketch where jason sudeikis gets to seduce me basically Mm -hmm. like i just think that's so funny um so yeah that was really great i also thought like of course kyle mooney is the husband who's being left out and isn't gonna do anything like the thing that really cracked me up was when they were like full like in their like khakis and button downs mind you and cardigans like full just like making out on the desk and he was like okay i'm gonna count to three <laughs> one and then like obviously they're not stopping he's like two two and a half like that mm-hmm. just was very on brand for the character that he's built up like throughout all of the seasons so um i thought that was pretty funny so yeah that character really worked for kyle it was really believable to me um and props to jason for just being game and going with it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like that sketch was so evenly performed, just like across the three of them. They all really gave it that spice it needed, and I'm so happy about that. Mm-hmm. But the sketch that I was most happy about, that me and like a bunch of people on the Live from New York subreddit were happy about, was what up with that? I mean, I'm just going to pop off for a second. Okay. When I was watching this live and I saw the commercial break where you could see the crew like setting up the Mm -hmm. three chairs on the left and the one on the right, I was like, ooh, here we go. So (laughs) many things I want to say. Nicholas Braun, what? Fred Armisen, oh my God. Oscar Isaac, wow. Cannot believe they got him to take a break from promoting Dune to do this. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I want to start by saying that Keenan just looked so excited to be doing this again. (laughs) 
And I think it's really nice to see a host who was super down to do a fan service sketch, even if they're not the main character. Like, I appreciate that. And I feel like that's the way I would describe Jason's kind of like whole purview of this episode and the sketches he picked. Yeah, I feel like he was willing to do what he thought people would like. And so even though there's not a ton of humility because of the broiness, like he cares, right? And him reprising that sketch with Keenan, even though Keenan was the star of it and not him, is just really showing us that. I also have to give props to you. Like you totally called it. You were like, I think they're going to do what's up with that, even though they haven't done Thank it you. in 10 years. So good job. Also, yeah, Oscar Isaac. I mean, Oscar did so well, I have to say, too. I really liked Oscar's chain. It was kind of cute, kind of hot. But I also have to say the whole, like, Lindsay Buckingham being Nicholas Braun joke was very well played. I am, like, actually Mm -hmm. kind of mad that Bill Hader did not take the time from filming Barry to, like, go fly out and do it. But you know what? Life is hard. You know what would have been really funny, though? If I they feel actually like you're had... perpetually mad at Bill Hader. Do you think so? Do you think there's beef? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Wait. Between no, who? I mean, you. Me? <laughs> you. Oh, I am perpetually mad at <laughs> Bill Hader for not being with me. But I'm also wondering, like, it would have actually been kind of cute if Seth Meyers had done it or even Jimmy Fallon. But you know what? Sometimes we just need a nobody named Nicholas Braun to, like, do the part. He did it. It's fine. So moving on to another fan service sketch, The Devil from Weekend Update. Did you have thoughts on this? Yeah, I love this one. Okay, so this was a reoccurring character that Jason did. Um, I thought it was so super fitting, honestly, um, because there was so much stuff like the world is a dumpster fire and he basically just came on and took credit for all of it um obviously there were some jobs at florida and how the devil he beta test things there and how it's like pre-hell and all of this stuff um my favorite thing was how he refused to take credit for QAnon. like he was Mm. like i did all this terrible stuff in the world but like this is where i draw the line those people are crazy so that was it's always funny to see um like the character that's obviously like the magical mystical character be like um no reality check Mm -hmm. Um, and then my favorite, favorite thing was um, Jason the Devil mentioned that him and Colin had a deal to let Colin marry Scarlett. Mm-hmm. That was great because obviously we love when they come after Colin. But then after Colin was like, no, not, that's not what happened. Jason, I think either as the devil or as himself, honestly, was like, Colin, you baby trapped her. You baby trapped Scarlett. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, that was funny because also we were a little bit thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also loved his shout out to Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like in Lil Nas X's music video, he like gave the devil a lap dance and Jason's character was like, oh, yeah, this year was pretty good for me. I did all of this great, terrible stuff in the world and I got a great lap dance from Lil Nas X. So that was like a kind of like bringing his old reoccurring character into our new modern day world so i appreciated that he did that little shout out because sometimes honestly when they reprise old characters i'm just like okay this is great but like it's not really relevant anymore Mm -hmm. or like they're not connecting it to today um so yeah i really enjoyed it i think that's very true and like the devil took up a lot of time on the desk and they cut to weekend update 
talking heads, one of which was Melissa Villasenor. And I actually really recommend going on YouTube and watching it because her segment's actually quite cute. But, uh, you know, my only comment is that next standing next to Jason, Colin literally looked like a child. Like, he looked so (laughs) young. But I'm with you. I'm so glad Jason really packed his punch because... It's good. It's nice to know that Hollywood also doesn't understand Scarlett and Colin. Like, it's nice that we mm-hmm. think like them. You know what I mean? Right. So, Hibba, it is time to rank this episode. What is your ranking of the Jason Sudeikis episode of SNL? Okay. Um, I'm going to give this episode a... Uh, okay, borderline... 6.5, 7 mm. out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, SNL Halloween episodes since wow. this was this year's Halloween episode. So, yeah, overall, like, I will say I was happy with Jason Sudeikis' performance, but I think for all the reasons that we mentioned, it wasn't, like, mind-blowing. And I think when we see a host return that was a cast member we always expect more from them right so um that being said i did enjoy the reoccurring characters that he played you guys will notice we didn't talk about a lot of the other sketches and that's because they were just like not that good or mm-hmm. memorable to be mm-hmm. honest so that's why i sort of downrated this episode like the stuff that i liked i really liked but overall um i think it could have been better so, yeah, that's why I rated it. 6.5, borderline 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, Hiba, you're generous. I'm going to give this episode 6.9 out of 10 ScarJo deals with the devil. I think you're completely right, Hiba, which is that first off, unfortunately, I think that when former SNL cast members come back, the expectations are incredibly high. And Mm -hmm. when I look back at the roster of sketches that they did do, only two of them were recurring. What's up with that? And um, the devil. The thing is, there was this science room sketch that they did and it was fine. But the thing is, that's not even Jason's sketch. The people who have played that role were Adam Driver and Sam Rockwell. And so it was hard to kind of like really figure out what Jason's objective was because the entire time I was trying to figure out, okay, is Jason trying to fan service this whole episode, give us what we want and just kind of like let us have our fun? Or is he trying to reclaim his experience at SNL, which I feel like a lot of people have like tough memories of? Now, Mm. I do feel for them because when I think about like John Mulaney, for example, I really loved John Mulaney's first hosting episode because he was a writer. Like when you talk about someone coming up coming up that is coming up and I feel like he was coming he was trying to reclaim a space that really like saw him as like this overworked underappreciated week after week kid and this place where like they reminded him constantly he was not the star but then when Mulaney did Lobster Diner that like completely like unlocked something in my brain where I was like oh like I'm in I totally get it I'm in However, I did not like Mulaney's episodes after that. They just did not excite me. And when I think about Barry, Bill Hader, Ted Lasso, Jason, Parks and Rec, Tina and Amy, like those people were not the stars of SNL when they were cast members. However, they go Mm -hmm. off, they win an Emmy, 
for shows where they are the boss, they're the star, they're the EP, they're everything. So sometimes I kind of wonder, like, is that a conflicting thing for you? Is that a complicated experience coming back? I don't know. But with that being said, one thing that Hibba did point out to me was that Jason said in his monologue, this is my first and last time hosting, ha ha ha, Mm -hmm. which I just didn't think of much. I actually wonder if what he was like kind of trying to hint at was the fact that like Ted Lasso is really good right now, but don't expect the good to continue. Or he was saying like, this is my peak and that's it. And I'm going to celebrate it while I can, which kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I thought... It was like such a suspicious thing to say, but part of me thinks that he was sort of like managing expectations, right? Because even in the monologue, he was like, oh yeah, like I went off and I did this project, Ted Lasso, and like it was totally a surprise to everyone that it was a hit. So that could be it. I think also like if I was him, I would just be kind of tired, right? Like if you're in show Mm -hmm. business, after a certain time in your life, you sort of like age out. Um, and he's been doing like a lot of stuff for a long time. So maybe that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's completely right. And last thing I want to say is that I want to give a major shout out to Kyle Mooney, Curly King, because I think he just did really well this episode. Like my personal highlight, as was both of ours, was him and the parent teacher sketch because like mm-hmm. him freaking out but not doing like a single damn thing about it very much sums up my personality. And so I loved him <laughs> in this. I loved him in this episode. I'm glad to see that he's like doing okay in the absence of Beck Bennett, who I right. also hope is living a good life in LA. But with that being said, at the time of this taping, we know that Kieran Culkin secession hive is rising next week ed sheeran Mm. who basically Mm. strangled our country with the song shape of you (laughs) got i'm sorry he tested positive for covid literally like hours after snl announced he was the musical guest which i think is hilarious felonious lol therefore we don't know who the musical guest is at this rate it could be one of us and if so, Hibba, I hope you get me tickets. But if not, that's okay. But will you try? First of all, I love the way you described Ed Sheeran because I feel like you disliking him is very It's hate. Unbrand. Let's be let's be clear, it's capital H hate. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I'm not a big fan of his, but yeah, I totally understand like why you hate him. Also, like I feel like the responsible thing on his part would have just been if he suspected that he had COVID or that he'd been in contact with someone who had COVID to tell them to hold the announcement. Like mm-hmm. usually they don't really stick to a schedule for announcing. So they didn't have to announce it during the episode, like at the end of it when they did. They could have waited like a day or like literally four hours, like you said. Um, they do still have time, that being said, because there's no, there's no episode this week because the Halloween episode was this one. Um, so they've got like two weeks. That's a really short amount of time to find a musical against, but again, the whole Morgan Wallen fiasco last year, like, I think they're just going to call in somebody who's like one of their favorite, like recurring people and they'll be fine. So, yeah, no, it's so funny because this totally reminded me of the Morgan Wallen scandal. And what's even funnier is that like Morgan Wallen, winner of The Voice last night, I just saw Ed Sheeran on The Voice. The Voice is cursed, but also 
if I had to make three guesses of who is going to fill in for Ed Sheeran, my three are going to be Jack White, Bruce Springsteen, and the kid Leroy. And the only reason oh, I say the kid Leroy is because he has two songs on the Billboard charts right now, and he seems like eager enough to like want to fly out to New York and like play and perform. But if I'm right, which I actually really don't think I will be, that will be fantastic. And we'll find out in two weeks' time, approximately. Yeah. Okay, so I think maybe it might be the Foo Fighters, just because they've been on SNL like a bunch of times, like I think at least three um, and I think they live in New York, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, and obviously they're, they're pretty cool and pretty famous and pretty chill. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's plausible, but we'll find out. Mm-hmm. I actually think Foo Fighters is a very strong contender because Jack White filled in last time. So it's kind of like, mm. you know, you don't want the substitute teacher twice. But mm-hmm. with that being said, we will find out. I mean, for all we know, Ed Sheeran might multiply and find himself on that stage singing two horrendous songs that no one asked for. But if that happens, we'll be here talking about it on our podcast. So anyway, Hiba, thank you very much for being here with me. As always, it's been my pleasure. See y'all later. See you guys. Bye.